This is the Veterinary Life Coach Podcast with Dr. Julie Capel, episode number 247. Welcome to the Veterinary Life Coach Podcast. Today, you've got little old me again, and I am going to be talking about difficult conversations, basically from the standpoint of having hard conversations with people that you work with and your team, whether you're a leader or whether you're not a leader, we always have to have these kind of conversations, right? And a lot of us do not enjoy them. So we're going to talk about a little a little bit about that, and we're also going to talk about having some difficult conversations with clients because there's a lot of emotion that comes up, and that's part of the problem. That's why we avoid it. So before we get into that, I just want to remind you that my book is out. It's called Love Your Veterinary Life. It's getting some great feedback right now. Everybody is, everybody, the people that are giving me feedback are telling me that they enjoy it. Um, So I'm excited. This has been something that I've had to work on, a big goal of mine. So I just want to remind you that any goal that you have is possible. I never would have thought that I could have a book published, and look, now I do. So if you would be so kind, go check it out. You can buy the ebook, you can um, get the paperback and the hardcover. Hopefully, that's out by now um, as I'm speaking. So go check it out. I'd love to hear your feedback. Um, Only if it's good, though. Don't hurt my feelings. (laughs) I'm kidding. I can take it. So anyway, let's get started on this conversation about difficult conversations. So the reason that I wanted to talk about this is because I um, had a meeting, I don't know, a month or so ago that I had to talk to a group of leaders about difficult conversations and communication. And so I put together this presentation. I think it's such an interesting topic because a lot of the people that I coach also are interested in this. They have trouble with the part of veterinary medicine that involves talking to people, getting in rooms with clients, worrying about what could happen. You know, a lot of a lot of the fear that we have around interacting with clients is because we're afraid it's going to turn into a difficult conversation, right? They might get upset. They might get angry. And because our primitive brain likes to avoid difficulties, remember that motivational triad, it wants you to avoid pain and seek pleasure. And so when you say difficult conversation, that doesn't sound pleasurable. So just remember that the reason you fear it is because you're thinking about the way that things could go in the exam room. And I coach a lot of my veterinary and other veterinary technician clients on this subject. So that's why I wanted to talk about it today. And I really do enjoy this kind of thing. I like difficult conversations from the standpoint, not that I like to be in conflict, but I do like the resolving. I like to solve the problem. And I know all of you are problem solvers because that's one of the reasons you got into vet med. And so if you can think of it as problem solving or how am I going to present this information to this other human? How am I going to negotiate this? How am I going to keep the emotions you know, in check? How am I, how am I going to show up in a calm manner, with empathy and understanding. That's what it's all about. So that's what we're going to talk about today a little bit. 
So I just want to remind you that the animals are easy. The people are the ones that are challenging, right? We all, I shouldn't say we all, but most of us went into vet med because we liked animals better than people. That's something that I hear people say all the time. I really don't like people. I don't like going to the exam rooms because the clients can sometimes be mean. You know, that is one of our biggest stressors. And it's also one of the things that causes the most um, burnout, I would say it causes the most anxiety for us. Like what could happen when I go into this room? And if you know ahead of time, it's going to be a difficult conversation before you even open the door. If you already know the person is angry or you already know that something's bad's happening in their life, then you really have to get yourself under control before you can enter that room because difficult conversations are scary to that primitive brain of ours. We don't want to endure it. But I want to offer you that if you can practice this and get good at it, that it will improve your life so much because then you won't be constantly worrying about what's going to happen next. It'll be more of an interest. Oh, oh, this is interesting. This person's angry. Wow, I didn't expect that. Well, let me see if I can figure this out rather than, oh my God, this person's angry and I'm scared now and I'm upset and my chihuahua brain's, you know, barking in my ear. So that's kind of where we're trying to head. So I want you to understand the way you like to communicate. What are your communication preferences? And then sometimes you also have to learn what are the preferences of your team? Who has the skills of communication? Who enjoys communication? Who can speak to people in a calm manner? A lot of times there are people on your team that are really good at this. Sometimes it's your receptionist because they're used to dealing with upset people. So if you understand the way you communicate and then you learn the way the rest of your team communicates, you can sometimes take some of the techniques from them and use them for you. You can also learn how to respond to them if you're in some sort of conversation with your team members. Because remember, difficult conversations don't just happen with clients, they also happen with our team especially if you're a leader. There's many times when you have to go into a room with someone to either correct them or talk about a behavior change, you know, tell them they don't look right. You know, I've had to tell people to go home and iron their scrubs because they looked so rumpled. And that's a really uncomfortable thing to do because you don't want to hurt their feelings and you're uncomfortable. So you get upset and you feel stressed. That's what we want to try to alleviate. So the first thing is figuring out how you prefer to communicate. And as you're listening listening to me, you will understand that I'm the type of communicator that that almost over-communicates, sometimes tries to influence people to my way of thinking. That's why I'm an I on the the DISC scale, a D and an I. Um, So I understand that I can over-talk. And so sometimes for me, when I go into a difficult conversation, I have to really try hard to shut up and not say anything because that's a skill as well, right? If you're not good at keeping your mouth closed, you will not communicate well. You really have to open up your ears so you can understand the other party. So that's what I mean by understanding the way you prefer to communicate. So it can be a strength in some cases, but it can also be a weakness. The other thing I want to teach you a little bit on this podcast is how you can use the power of your thoughts to change any relationship. So like it or not, you have to form relationships with the other people that you work with and with the clients. 
there is a level of relationship. And when we think of relationships, we think of these really tight friend bonds or spouse bonds and things like that. And that's not necessarily what I mean. What I mean is the relationship is the way you're thinking about the client and the way they're thinking about you. That's how a relationship is built. If I enjoy a client, I'm going to open up much easier to them and have a much easier time communicating with them than if I dislike a client, right? My thoughts about disliking them are going to make it harder for me to deal with them. And so we've talked before on the podcast about changing your thoughts in order to get better results. That's what I'm talking about here. If you're always thinking that clients are a pain in the ass, then every client's going to be a pain, right? You are going to think your way into that future, All your clients are going to be a pain. So just remember that you have power to change your thoughts. And if you can change your thoughts in any relationship or any situation, you will get a better result. The other thing I'm going to do is go through a few steps to try to get yourself through a successful or difficult conversation or interaction. And then I would love it if you would learn to start to enjoy conflict. I think that would really be amazing. And I just want to remind you that me saying I enjoy conflict is my thought. I decided that it was fun and now I think it's fun. Doesn't mean I don't get nervous when I go into something. Doesn't mean I don't think it through. Doesn't mean I, I'm not aware of you know what's going on. And sometimes it doesn't turn out the way I want it to. But I can enjoy the challenge. And that's kind of how I choose to think about it. And then I also want to offer to you that you can learn from negative interaction. If you go into a conversation and it doesn't go well, when you come out, download that. Go through it and think about, what could I have done differently? What could I have said differently? Is there something that I could have done to have that conversation go better? Because that's how you learn. This is a practiced skill. So if you're very young, early in your career, you haven't done a lot of these kind of things, you can role play with someone like a coach or a friend or a mentor, somebody that can kind of help you go through these so you can practice, or you can just practice on the job. I have had many interactions that didn't go well because of me, because I didn't listen, because I didn't stay calm, because I got defensive. Like there's a lot of things that you can do in a conversation that will make it go go worse than it would have otherwise, but then we can learn from it, right? And then we can get better. So um, I want you to embrace that concept. And then the other thing I want to talk a little bit about is, can we practice stronger team communication? Because communication in a hospital team is so important. It avoids mistakes. It makes life easier. The clients feel better well cared for because nobody's arguing like if we have good strong solid communication in our hospitals the clients are going to get better service we're going to make more money everything's going to run more efficiently and less mistakes are going to be made so this is really important learning to communicate especially in these difficult circumstances will really um, pay back you will earn from doing the work towards this okay so let's start, let's start with some team communication. I think that um, you know, if we talk about that first, then we can go into the more difficult conversations. So in order to have 
good team communication, you have to have some ground rules in your hospital or whatever team you're working on. Even if you're in a leadership position with a, a VMA or, you know, you're leading a team, you know, even playing softball or they, there has to be really good communication. And so one of the things that you want to be sure of it is that everybody knows their role. Is there clarity in the duties? Does everybody know what to expect from the leader and also expect on the team? So it has to be clear. There has to be a system in place. So if you have morning rounds or if you have, like we used to have a communication book at my practice before everybody went electronic, where we would write things down if we wanted everyone to know. Um, And then we have our job descriptions and we have our values, which is kind of my next point. Um, In order to have good team communication, everybody has to know the value that your team, the value that your hospital is going to promote. So there has to be some core values that we know. And we talked about that in the leadership talk a couple weeks ago. So everybody on the team must make decisions from the same values. So the values have to be clear. So I know that anybody in my hospital knows what we stand for what we will do and what we won't do. We don't lie. We don't try to pull the wool over clients' eyes or heads to make sure that they, you know, we can cover our mistakes. We are open and honest and we try to be transparent with our clients. That is our value. So if you're trying to get these difficult conversations to be easier, you will have less of them if everyone knows your values. So you really need to work on that. If you're not the leader and you can't dictate this, get your own set of values and make sure that the practice aligns with them. Because when you're out of alignment with your hospital, you are going to be in many, many, many more of these difficult conversations than you want to be. Because you will be working from one set of values and your hospital owner will be working from another. And that's when tragedy ensues, right? I told the story before that I got fired from my first job and this was exactly why. So get your values straight. Then what I really love is to get those teams kind of collaborating. And there's a lot of great ways to do that. I love games and team building exercises and all of that. And I do have a lot of those um, those exercises and examples. So if that's something you're interested in, you can send me an email and I will definitely share some of those ideas with you. Um, But getting your team on the same page is basically what I mean. If they're on the same page, then you will have less difficult conversations with them and with the clients. I also would encourage you to include the hospital team members on your goal setting. You know, what are we going to create as a goal together and how are we going to deal with people when they're angry? That would be a really good thing to try to get everybody collaborating on. So we know this is our goal for taking care of a client. And when that goes awry, this is how we're going to handle it. There should be an expectation or a protocol for that situation. So everybody knows. And then I just want to remind you one more time that communication, this particular talk that we're having, and the way you show up in communication is very much personality driven, and it's very much relationship driven. So somebody like me that likes to talk and likes to persuade and likes to argue, 
will have an easier time doing this than those of you that don't have that kind of desire to communicate. But I want to remind you also that some of the people that I know that are the best at leadership, that are the best at difficult conversations, are the people that don't enjoy all of this chit chat, right? Those people that are very thoughtful, they listen very well, they um, have the ability to parrot back what the client or the other employee is saying, and they have that way of understanding other people. So it's personality driven. No one personality is perfect at this. We all have to work at it, but in different ways. So if you feel like an introvert, if you feel like you're not good at this, don't give up. This is really something that you can learn. It's a skill. And like I said before, get someone to help you and it might end up being fun. First step, evaluate where you are. How do you feel about difficult conversations? How do you show up when you're in the room with a client with a difficult with a difficult situation? How do you show up when you're in conflict in a relationship in your in your team? Sit down and figure that out. Where am I lacking? Where am I good? If you don't know your disc style or you don't have any idea about your personality or the personality of your team, you could do the Colby um, like Pete Moore talked about, something to figure yourself out because you really have to know where you're starting in order to provide a plan for improvement, right? So get that inventory of your leadership style, your communication style. Um, What's the quality of your communication? How well do you communicate with other people? And do you talk too much? Like me, perhaps, do you sometimes not listen? That's a good thing to know because in order to be successful in workplace communication or in difficult conversations, you really need to actively listen. And you have to open your ears up and listen for feedback. You know, what are you looking for out of this conversation? And how am I doing? And then you need to practice a little bit on your body language. Um, You know, watch your facial expressions. Don't look at your watch. I did that once in a room with a client. Oh, that was a big mistake. Um, This client was yakking and yakking, and I forget what it was about, but I knew I was behind, and I was, you know, I got distracted, and I looked at my watch. Oh, my gosh, what a wrong thing to do. But I learned, right? Sometimes I take my watch off before I go into a room just so I don't have the temptation to do that if it goes long. So think about your body language. Think about how you're feeling in your body. If you have to go into a difficult conversation, can you get yourself calm? Can you do some maybe power posing and kind of get your body in a better space before you go in there? Do some of that, you know, to help you go in. And then um, my friend Sue Sales and I spoke at the um, Michigan conference, and that was one of the things that inspired this this podcast is because this is some of the stuff that we taught there. Sue Sales talks a lot about um, technology, communication and technology, which I think is really a good thing to look into. You know, is it verbal? Is it nonverbal? Do we have electronic like Slack or texting or, you know, how do we communicate in our practice and how is it working for us? Because you definitely, definitely don't want to have a difficult conversation over texting. Please don't do that. All these difficult conversations have to be done face to face. 
otherwise, you cannot see people's body language. You cannot hear well enough to active listen. You can't hear the tone of their voice. It can really turn into a mess if you don't focus on that face-to-face. And I know that's scary. It's hard to bring people into your office. It's really hard to, you know, talk to them. But if you're struggling, have a partner. You know, there's nothing that says you can't have a, a third person in that conversation just as an observer in case things start to go, you know, off the rails. I've brought technicians in the room with me with clients and said, you know, can you just come in here and listen? And if it starts to get out of control or I'm not handling it well, can you, you know, butt in or or tell me, you know, give me some advice. So that's something that you can do. So communication in these difficult conversations is the key. We have to make sure that we're observing how the person is responding to what we are saying and then listen to what they're getting. And we have this, I, I read about this uh, a couple years ago when I was working on a communication on a uh, difficult conversation. We have this primal need to be right. And it was written by um, someone called Marshall Goldsmith. Um, and basically it means that we have this need in our primal brain to be right. And we, especially when we think we're right or we know we're right. But in a difficult conversation or a conflict, no one wins if you can't give up that need to be right. So you have to open yourself up to the idea that you might have to be wrong, even if you know you're right. Does that make sense? Sometimes you just have to agree with a client, even though in your heart and mind, you know your receptionist wasn't mean to them. You know that they're kind, but you just have to give that up in order to try to bring this thing to a conclusion. Doesn't mean you have to cave. Doesn't mean you have to you know, keep that client. You can always get rid of a client or fire them if they're really giving you a hard time and you don't want to continue that relationship. But remember that you're going to want to be right. You'll want to argue. You'll get defensive. Like I feel I'm a kind of a fighter when it comes to this kind of thing. So I feel my body getting really defensive when I'm in one of these conversations with a client and I know that they're wrong. So I have to remember that it doesn't pay to try to be right. And here is a quote from Marshall Goldsmith. It says, it works because helping people be right is more productive than proving them wrong. Which is true. If you can make a client feel cared for and loved, even when they're wrong, even when you know that it didn't go down the way they think it went down, if you can validate their feelings, because their feelings are real, they might not have the facts correct, but they do have the feelings. So if you can validate their feelings and then move on from there, you will have so so much easier time when you're in these difficulties. The same thing with your team members, right? They all have feelings. And just remember that your feelings come from all your thoughts. So if you have somebody in, you know, a cranked up frame of mind, they're thinking all these threatening thoughts. And if you can alleviate those and kind of give them different thoughts to think that are calmer, then they're going to become calmer. All right. So here's a few ways you can start to love going into these difficult conversations or these conflicts, right? First of all, if you don't love conflict, think of it as a conversation. Change the words, right? So that's working on your mindset. Make sure you're in the right frame of mind. Make sure your body's calm. Make sure you do the work ahead of time. Think it through. What could happen? What would I like to be the result of this conversation? And when you go in and if you focus on the end, 
and what you want to happen, you're going to show up better. Things are going to be easier for you. If you're a leader or if you're in, um, if you're trying to correct an employee or um, somebody that works with you, even if they're not in your direct um, leadership pyramid, like if you're not their boss, it doesn't matter. If you need to correct them for any reason or you need to make a suggestion, as my husband sometimes says, do it in private. Take them aside calmly and just say, you know, what you did back there, I I understand why you did it, or maybe you have to find out why, but I really, I would really like you to change that. Is that something that we could do? So do that all in private. Anytime you have to make a correction, anytime you think it's going to get loud, take them in private somewhere and do it calmly. Get yourself in a good frame of mind first. And then if you're going to praise people, try to do it in public. If you can say thank you, if you can say, hey, you did a great job today, make sure you do it in public. But if you're the leader, make sure you spread it around, right? Because if you praise the same person every day and not the rest of them, then they're going to get jealous. And I've had that happen. And then the next thing I want you to do is listen more than you speak, which we kind of talked about. Open up your ears and close your mouth. And then try, if you're going into a situation where you know it might get heated, try to start with something positive. Start to agree on something that went well, if you can. You know, I'm glad this turned out okay. You know, even if it didn't go well for the client, I'm glad your pet is okay now. Um, I'm glad you're here to talk to me. Thank you for sharing this with me. Something positive, because if you can start out on a positive note, it's going to help steer that conversation in a less tense way. And then understand your expectations or the ending of this conversation. What do you want to happen at the end? And then remember that you are in control. You need to take full responsibility for this conversation. So if it starts going off the rails, if the person you're talking to gets loud, you need to stop them. You might have to butt in. You might have to say, wait a minute. If we can't stay calm, I'm not going to have this conversation anymore. I'm going to walk out of the room. You might have to set a boundary. You know, not in a mean way, but just to try to calm people down. So make sure that you feel strong enough to take some responsibility. And if you start to lose control, you can always shut it down and say to the client or the team member, whoever's getting, you know, loud or out of control, just say, excuse me for a minute. I need to step out of the room. They don't need to know why. They don't need to know anything. Step out of the room. Go get yourself together and then come back to it if you can. And if you can't, call for help, right? Phone a friend. I've done that before. I've been like, I've sent a manager into the room and it's not going well. She comes out and then I go in or vice versa. I'll come out and I'll say, you know what? This isn't going well. Why don't you give it a try? Um, You know, it's okay to have a team when you're dealing with these difficult conversations. And then remember that you have to separate the facts from the thoughts, Right? You may not be able to say this to a client, well, that's not a fact, but you know what the facts are and you know what your thoughts are. And if you can keep your thoughts directed on the direction that you want to go, it's going to be less likely to become you know, a blow up and people aren't going to get angry. And then if you are correcting a team member, you need to have specific expectations for what you want the behavior change to be. I've, I've heard so many stories from veterinarians that work for bosses that They keep criticizing them and criticizing them and criticizing them for different things, but that they never give them a specific. Like, what exactly do you want me to do? You need to make more money. Okay, well, what does that mean? You know, I've had people, boss, people's bosses tell them, you need to bring in more revenue 
And then I'll say, well, how much more? And they'll say, well, they won't share that with me. And I'll say, well, how much do you make now? And they'll say, well, they don't share those numbers with me. Well, that's stupid. Like, how are you going to change that? So come on. You have to have specific expectations. And if you're in a difficult conversation with someone and they're criticizing you or critiquing you and giving you feedback and they don't have specific expectations, you need to ask for those. Can you tell me what exactly you want me to do? And then if they're not clear, but could you be more clear? Could you give me an outline? Could you write me some rules? I really need it in black and white. So don't be afraid to ask for that because it's not fair if they just tell you to correct something, but they don't tell you what they want or you don't know what their values are or what they're looking for. And then I always try to schedule time for a follow-up after one of these conversations. You know, if it's not totally resolved, if there's, if there's a change that you want to see, make a meeting with an employee in a couple of weeks and say, you know, okay, let's come back to this and see how we're doing in a couple of weeks and see if we have any, you know, questions. What do you, how's it going kind of, kind of meeting. And same thing with a client if you need to. If they're unhappy and it doesn't end really solidly and you don't feel like they're, they're now okay, then talk to them. Say, you know, can we talk again in a week? Can we talk again in a couple of days when things are a little bit less, you know, tense? Is there anything I, that I can do for you? And sometimes they'll say no. And then if they go out of the hospital mad, now the job is going to be for you to download all the thoughts and feelings you have about that conversation and you clean it up right? What did I do well? What did I not do well? Not to beat yourself up, but just to learn. So next time I might do it differently. And I've done that so many times. And every time I go into a difficult conversation, I'm, I'm open for, okay, how can I do this better? And then also noticing what went well, like it was going well up until I said this. And then like, that was the sentence that turned it negative, you know? So you really have to kind of download these conversations after you have them. I'm just going to talk a little bit about solution mindset because that's really the mindset that we want to stay in. What's the solution that we want when we're going into one of these conversations? What is the end game? What is the end goal? Most of the time when you're with a client, you want them to go out of the hospital happy, right? You don't want them to be mad. You want them to be like satisfied with the service that you gave them. You want them to feel that you care about them, even if they're unhappy. Like it's a win if they're still unhappy about what happened, but they now feel like they're heard and cared for. And so they'll come back. They will forgive and forget, or they might not forget. They might just forgive. But just remember that the solution is where you want to head. And if you need to apologize for something that you did or one of your team members did, do it. To be vulnerable and apologize for a wrong is powerful you will gain so much respect from apologies. You'll become a stronger leader. You will be a stronger communicator and you can let it go then. You know, if I know I did something wrong and I'm like, well, that was dumb. I shouldn't have done that. I'm really sorry. I hurt your feelings or I'm sorry. I didn't handle this well, whatever you say. And you can be really honest about that. You will be able to let it go easier for yourself, but also your team. They'll, they'll forgive you. And they won't hold it over you. They won't be afraid the next time they have to speak to you. So remember that apologies and vulnerability, if you listen to Brene Brown at all, that being vulnerable is very, very powerful. 
And then if you are in a relationship, and you usually are with either a team member or a client, try to repair that relationship. Try to see if there's something that you can do to either keep that client or to keep that team member. And it doesn't always work. Some people have to be let go. Do it in a kind way. It doesn't have to be a blow up, doesn't have to be mean. You know, we can agree to disagree and then dissolve that relationship always and not make it mean anything bad about either party, right? It's really difficult. Your primitive brain's gonna wanna fight. Mine always does. Your primitive brain is gonna say things like, that person's stupid, they were mean, they were a liar. You're gonna have all these stories, but try to just get to the point where you can let it go. And even if you don't have a physical relationship anymore, like a conversation type relationship with a person, let's say you let them go and they're no longer in your hospital and you're never gonna see them again, Repair the relationship in your head. Let it go. Because that constant replay of that person wronged me or they did something mean to me or I screwed up, I didn't pay attention, whatever it is, is not serving you. It's not going to gain anything. So repair the relationship in your mind. And that's the thoughts you have about that other person. So do the thought work. Do the thought downloads about them. Pick out the facts from the thoughts. Understand the feelings that you're having because when you dissolve a relationship, especially if it's been a long-standing one, there's going to be grief. So remember that if you had a friend and they stabbed you in the back, you have to process that grief, right? And that's what I mean by repairing the relationship. Understand them. Love them anyway, even if they, you know, did you a wrong. Whatever it takes to let it go so you can be a better person. And don't ever fight. In a difficult conversation, fighting is not a win. You know, that will just get you in trouble. So if you feel that fighting spirit, you know, if Rocky bubbles up and you just want to start throwing punches, remember that it's not useful, right? That's that's sometimes how I feel when I'm in with a mean client. I just like want to, you know, smack them. But you can't. That's not useful. Um, so if you can stay calm, if you can agree on a solution, you always win, right? Okay. So that's probably as much as I have to say about this subject. Um, So let me just recap a little bit. Know yourself. Learn about your own communication styles. Check on your emotions before you go into any conflict. You know, think about how you're feeling before you go in and practice. You know, if if you're really cranked up, don't go into the conversation until you practice with someone else that you know is calmer than you and can give you the, the tools that you need to understand what's happening. Listen to people more than you talk, right? Remember me, the talker, and say, don't do what Julie does. She talks too much. Shut your trap. You know, I have to sometimes say that to my chihuahua brain. Nope, can't say that. Keep quiet. Just listen. Listening is important. You know, you can coach yourself while you're in the conversation to keep quiet. Allow the other person to be right if it's appropriate. You know, open up to the possibility that they feel that they're right, even if you feel that they're wrong. And then sometimes it's a good idea to assume that whatever they're saying is true because it's true for them. So if you think about that, it's true for them. It may not be true to the situation. It may not be factual, but they feel like it's true. So remember that because fighting with their feelings is not going to help you. And then if you can come to some sort of agreed on solution or some agreed on compromise, that's really the goal. We don't want to win 
a difficult conversation. We want to come to a solution and a conclusion that repairs the relationships, solves the problems, and everybody kind of wins, even if they don't totally win, right? And then once you're through with this conversation, you really got to remember that you have to coach yourself. Download the conversation, handle the feelings that come up because there's some really big feelings that come up, especially if you're a leader and you have to fire people. I was fired way back before I was um, an owner of a hospital and I, it was such a hard emotional time for me that I really have a hard time letting people go. And I know that about myself because I would rather, you know, keep a bad employee than let, let them go just because of my own emotions. So in order to have the conversation where I may have to let someone go, I have to really deal with myself first and my emotions and realize that my emotions come from my past trauma and that I need to focus on what's happening now and not bring my emotional past into this room with me when I'm trying to reprimand an employee or something like that. So just remember that those old thoughts and feelings and patterns will come up. All right, so I want you to go out there and become a conflict superman, superwoman, superhero. I want you to feel like you can do this. And if you're unsure, if you're struggling, even with just talking to normal clients, if they're really stressing you out, then reach out, get help, talk to a coach like me, talk to a therapist, get yourself some help, practice. There's no shame in that. I practice this all the time. This is just a life skill that you're going to develop for the rest of your life. And if you work on it, it will make your life easier. You will be able to handle anything that comes up in life without all the drama, right? Okay, so that's all I'm going to say about that. But let me leave you with a couple quotes. The first one is from Ronald Reagan. And he said, peace is not absence of conflict. It's the ability to handle conflict by peaceful means. And then one more quote for you. Um, And this one is from William James. And it says, whenever you're in conflict with someone, there's one factor that can make the difference between damaging your relationship and deepening it. And that factor is attitude. So check yourself. That's what I always say. It's usually our issue, not everyone else's issue, which is kind of hard to take some days. I know this self-work thing is hard, but, um, but it's so rewarding. So join me. Let's work on ourselves. No matter how young or old you are, we can always get better. And, um, and that's why I wrote my book, because I want everyone to feel better and have more fun. So just to plug my book one more time, it's called Love Your Veterinary Life. Go check it out. And I hope that you have a beautiful, calm, relaxing week. Bye.